Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Hello, everybody. This is Kyle Claridge coming to you from Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And I am here with our interviews with the expert topic today is about aortic disease. And our expert is Dr. Malik Sharitha, who is a new faculty member at Mayo Clinic. And he's been recruited to help us develop a center of excellence for aortic valve repair, replacement, and uh, durability. So I would love to hear from you, Malika. First of all, thank you for being with us. This is great. Um, and the second thing is, maybe you can tell us what makes a center of excellence and why Mayo, my Mayo Clinic has put such a huge emphasis on this at this time. So thank you again for having me here. Uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be here. So just a little bit about my background. So I was uh, working as the vice chair of cardiac th thoracic and vascular surgery division and professor of surgery in the Hanover Medical School, which is the biggest university hospital in Europe and in Germany. When Mayo asked me if I would be interested in setting up the biggest center for aortic disease as a center of excellence, this was something I was really uh, very keen to do because there is not such a, not a single center in the whole of the world dealing in aortic disease where multidisciplinary different uh, divisions come together. They, in every hospital, of course, you have different faculties like cardiology, surgery, and vascular surgery, but they don't really always work very close together. And this is something that we have just started here at the Mayo Clinic. That's great. Well, I, I know that we put a lot of emphasis on it, that you and are very enthusiastic about uh, not only the prospects of taking care of individual patients, but also researching it developing a multidisciplinary approach to it and training, very importantly, uh, the next generation of surgeons and uh, people that are interested in aortic diseases. So this is really a, a huge initiative and very needed. So uh, we're very, very happy to have you here and taking on that initiative. So maybe with that, a little bit of background, we can then jump into some of the uh, expert topics that we wanted to discuss today. The first one uh, we'll talk about is what is the present status of aortic valve, of aortic repair, not a valve, but aortic repair. And we would like to hear from you where we are today. Yeah, traditionally, if there is a problem with the aortic valve, since the last 60 years, the aortic valve had been replaced. In the early days, it used to be a mechanical valve. So nowadays, there are also other different types of tissue valves or the biological valves made either out of uh, tissues from uh, cows, uh, bulls, or it could be also porcine valves. But what we know is that the valve that we are born with, that is the best valve we have. If somebody has an aortic valve regurgitation where the valve is leaking, then if we can catch them early enough, then we can repair the valve. And we have shown that now, the technique that was first done 30 years ago, over the long term is very good. And the patients can live on with their own valves. So the biggest advantage would be then, of course, that the patient would not be needed to take any blood thinners. That's very good. And the chances of the such valves getting infection is also lower than if you just replace the valve. Because if you use a tissue valve, the biggest downside is that in 10 or 15 years, the valve has to be replaced again. If you use the mechanical valves, then the patient has to take blood thinners for the whole life. 
So this is taken away in the valve repair. So the, the biggest advantage then for the patient is less risk of infection and they don't have to take anticoagulants, which can be a limiting factor for many people in today's world. So that sounds great. So now we have uh, the ability to repair somebody's aortic valve. Can you sit, speak to the durability? Because, you know, my generation of training, we were always taught that the mechanical valve was the most durable. How does the repair stack up to other types of valves that a patient may be offered? So if we can operate the patients early enough, when the valve starts leaking, but the valve is not calcified, then the long-term results are very, very good. This technique, as first uh, described by Dr. Tyron David from Toronto, he had, uh, after even after 25 years, uh, the patients were still living with their own valves. We call it freedom from valve replacement was over 95%. Even in our own cities, when I used to work in Hanover over the last 30 years, then it was still more than 85% of the patients still had their own valve. So that shows that the long-term results, even after 20 years, is excellent. It's way better than the tissue valves with uh, no problems that we can face with uh, the mechanical valves. Wow, that's fantastic. So for a lot of you know younger patients, especially who may, especially women who would may want to have children, the advantage of having their own valve, not having to worry about anticoagulation and all the tricky parts of managing anticoagulation around the time of the pregnancy is, is hugely advantageous. And then also knowing that it could still last a very long time. You said mm -hmm. 85% at 20 years, is that correct? Yeah. That's fantastic. The operation I take it is still, of course, a mid-stradotomy. We open up the chest and, and repair the valve from an external incision that we go through. What other risks are there to repairing a valve? So if it is an elective operation, that means it's, if it is not an emergency operation, then nowadays a valve repair has almost 0% uh, mortality. That means the risk of someone dying during this operation is almost zero. We cannot say zero because you know if every operation, there will be a tiny theoretical at least a risk, but it's almost 0%. Although we still need to open up the chest to reach the valve, nowadays we do not need to open up the holes of the sternum. So we can do a small so-called keyhole surgery with about two inches or three inches uh, of incision instead of opening up the whole chest. So this is also one technique that uh, when I was working in Hanover, we started way back in 2008. And now we've done almost 100 such cases also in valve repairs. So this is something that also, uh, it's very interesting for younger patients also. And even in older patients, it's not only about the cosmesis, but also if you don't need to open the whole chest, then such patients can go home quicker and get back to their lives quicker. Well, that's fantastic too. Now, you mentioned the term keyhole, and I've heard mini sternotomy. Is there any difference between keyhole and mini sternotomy? Uh, mini sternotomy, no, actually mini sternotomy is more a medical term. And keyhole would be something that people would understand. So, um, so it's more or less the same, yes. We would do a mini sternotomy, which would be, I would say, about three centimeters incision. It doesn't break. Uh, three inches, sorry, three inches. Inches. It doesn't break the whole sternum. No, only upper one third. Yeah. Another uh, huge advance, I think, for people that are, you know, hearing about valves that can be put in percutaneously, which we know would not last as long as what you're 
uh, suggesting with a repair. So that's fantastic. Is, is minimally invasive aortic valve repair, which we just talked about, possible for everybody? Or is it selected patients? Or how do we look at that as, as, as a patient comes to us and says, I'd really like to have a valve repair. I'd like to have it be a keyhole approach. Is that everyone can do that? Or is, I mean, I know you can do it, but I mean, could every patient have it done for them? Uh, theoretically, uh, we could do it for every patient. Normally, what we need to do is uh, get a CT scan of the patients, and if there are no gross anatomical deformities, uh, you know, if that's the aneurysm because the aorta is so big that you cannot do it, then that's very rare. Or if one needs to do something other in addition to the valve repair, let's say a bypass surgery to the coronaries, then of course you have to open up the whole sternum. Otherwise, it is possible for everyone. There is a learning curve, yes. Takes years to learn that. But then, of course, because I had this year in learning curve in Germany for the last 15 years. So, I mean, it should be possible now, yeah. So this is why you're so passionate about education too, because you're helping the next generation learn the procedure. And it's a very... Um, methodical approach to teaching a surgeon these very talented uh, people, these uh, technical procedures, which um, I know you, you're really passionate about that. And we, we appreciate that too. So I think what I heard you say is that the status of aortic valve repair is alive and well at the Mayo Clinic, and that we can do this uh, minimally invasive with a keyhole approach, that the repairs have great durability, and most people would be candidates for it as long as they didn't need bypass grafting. Mm -hmm. And yeah. pre pre prior to making the decision, they would require a CT scan of the chest and heart or a CT angiogram, probably. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say about the, the status of aortic valve repair or anything else that we should leave the audience with at this moment? So my biggest request to everyone, especially the cardiologists all around, is that if, especially the younger people, if they still have a valve, it's is leaking, but is not calcified, then please send them to people who can repair the valve. Because for the patient who is, let's say, 20 years old or 30 years old, especially if they are Marfan patients or with other connective tissue disorders or even a bicuspid valve, then it has a huge implication for them because if they can live with their own valves for the rest of their lives, we are talking about 40, 50 years, it's a huge positive if they do not have to take blood thinners or let's say if you get a tissue valve, they don't need to be reoperated again. So please send them, if possible, to Mayo, of course, but if not, at least to places where they can do the valve repair. This is very important. Well, I think these you've made some very important points, and hopefully our audience will reach out if they have other questions about this uh, type of a procedure with an aortic valve repair, and very much appreciate you being with us at Interviews with the Experts. Thank you very much, Dr. Shrita. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast by emailing cvselfstudy at mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform and tune in each week to explore today's most pressing cardiology topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.